Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. And good morning. There we are. I just thought I'd beat the lights. You, you did. Yeah. You actually did. You did good a great morning, job. Everybody. Good morning, everyone. You guys excited to be at church this morning? Yeah. I've got Sherry waving to me in the back. I think it's going to be a good Sunday. It's going to be a great <laughs> Sunday. You picked the best Sunday to be part of what God is doing at the Movement Church. We are right in the beginning stages yeah. of a new series called Mr. Potato Head, which is confusing yet exciting. And, yep. and I'm excited because today Megan and I are going to share together. But before I go any further. How many of you were with us at our Dream Team party on Friday? Come, Come on. on. We were on a boat. We were on a yacht in the middle of Newport Harbor having a blast because that's what we like to party, don't we? We do. So thanks for coming and hanging out. For those of you that weren't there, it just wasn't the same with that. I mean, the party was good, but it would have been better if you're there. So maybe next time, get there. And if you're not on the Dream Team. You should be on the Dream Team. Definitely. Tell before it. Next time is going to be in a jet. No, I'm kidding. It was awesome. So <laughs> We're glad that you're with us, and I, we're going to tell you a little more about this later on in the service, but there, we're doing something to pair with this series called Tater Talk. Everybody say Tater Talks. Tater Talk. And these are going to be conversations or classes happening during the week, not here, no. on Wednesday night at a different facility and for three weeks, and we have four different tracks. We have a track for marriage, a track for family, which is like raising kids, yeah, kids. a track for adulting, and a track for finances. And you choose which track you want to go on. And here's the cool part. We're recording all of them. So right. no matter what, you have access to them. And we have different teachers. I mean, like the week it's one, gonna be good. we've got some of our community pastors. We've got uh, some entrepreneurs who've started businesses that are coming in to speak. Some of our staff pastors. I mean, it is just going to be insane. And you can text the word potato head to our number. We'll yep. tell you more about that later, but don't miss it. And listen, it. you got to sign up for it. You're going to want to do this. Just pick one of the tracks. If you're raising kids and you want to know how to raise your kids well, do the parenting track. But don't worry. If you want to hear what's said in the marriage track, we've got it recorded for you. So you get all of it. It's going to be awesome. In the marriage track, we're actually the final week. We're bringing in a Christian counseling couple oh. who specializes in healthy intimacy. And you don't want to miss it. They've been doing marriage counseling uh, specifically in intimacy, and uh, they will be there for the last session, and yeah. you don't, that 25 years they've been working yeah. with this, they've written books, it's phenomenal, yeah. and we got them. Yeah. And so, like, I'm just, it, I'm so stoked. Yeah. And child care is available, but it's very limited, and we're providing options for dinner. Like, we've literally removed every obstacle. There's no excuse. Can you tell how bad we want you to be there? So be there. Right? That's, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Hey, actually, today, we're getting to talk a little bit about marriage. And this whole series, Potato Head, is based off of the concept that this toy has been around forever. How many of you grew up playing with a potato head? Yep, most of you in this room. This toy was created in 1952. Come it was on, the, the same very year you were born. Yeah. That was a, no, uh -huh. not okay. I'm sorry. It was the very first toy advertised on national television. And the reason this series is called Potato Head is simply this: this toy has been around for a long time, right? But the principle of this toy has never changed. God's word and principles for our family, for our marriages, for our children—it has never changed. 
Culture may have changed. Time may have gone by. But God's principles and his word are still the same today. And so that's what we're talking about as we jump into this series today. And as we dive specifically into today's topic, uh, I want to just kind of start off with the concept of the difference between law and principles. Laws can be broken, right? The law of gravity can be broken by the law of lift. And principles, if we're not careful, actually will break us. So there are principles at work in your life and in mine right now, whether or not you realize this. Okay, for instance, if you take an apple and you cut it in half, what do you find in the middle? Seeds. Second service this, this is isn't, This is not a, this isn't a trick question. They Seeds, right? And remember when you used to cut it in half one way and you could see the star and it was like, oh, it's so cool. If you take the seeds out and you plant them in the ground, what will grow? An apple tree, not an orange tree, not a pear tree, an apple tree. Why? Because when you sow an apple seed, an apple tree will grow. Galatians complements this principle with do not be deceived. God is not mocks. For whoever so, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. In other words, God's saying you can fake it, you can pretend, you can act like, but you are sowing and reaping something. You are sowing into your marriages, sowing into your families, sowing into your life, and you're reaping something. So guys, look at me, guys and gals. Listen, we're all sowing and reaping. If you don't like what it is that you're reaping, then change what it is that you're sowing. And wow. so today, specifically, we're going to talk about the role of a husband and the role of a wife. Now listen, some of you out here may not be a husband or a wife, and that's okay because these principles they go for all of us. And so I'm telling you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lean in and take notes. In second service, I want you to knock first service out the park. Because first service, I said lean in and take notes. And only the women got their phones out. So dudes, get your phones out and take notes. And as we, write, as we talk through this, I want to give you two key rules. Number one, ladies, you're not listening for your husband, Okay. So don't be like don't elbow elbowing, don't, don't amen really loud when I'm talking. Just kind of taking over your, men, you are writing and taking notes for yourself. So make sure all of us in this room. And if you're single in this room, hey, listen, these principles still can apply to you. So take some notes because I'm telling you, God's going to speak to you in the middle of this. And secondly, part of this, because we're talking and unpacking biblical principles, Many of us in this room, and I'm guilty of this as well, have allowed culture and just life to dictate how we live instead of allowing God's word. And as we unpack these principles, some of them are going to be a little painful. I don't know if you guys know this. When we moved into this facility, I had a brilliant idea. Anybody else have a, just have brilliant ideas? Yes. Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All the time. All the time. And I had this brilliant idea. You guys know what those segues are, the little hoverboards that you kind of roll back and forth and you spin around and backwards? They're really cool. And I thought, how brilliant would it be if our parking lot attendants were on hoverboards, just kind of waving people in and just kind of hanging out. Brilliant, so cool. brilliant idea, so wasn't cool. it? Yes. Until the week before we moved in, yes. we brought one here to try it out, and Pastor Gurley was like, you know what, I'm going to try this thing. And so she got on and was doing awesome because she's very talented. Until it got time to step down off of this hoverboard, she put her foot in front and leaned forward, and that thing knocked her feet out from under her, and as we all do when we go to land, she braced herself with her wrists and instantly we all heard a snap. And then how many of you if, you, have, if you have weak stomachs, don't look. Everybody else, take a look at this picture for a moment. Take a look at that. Doesn't that, how, some of you are like, Bleh. okay, take it down quickly, quickly. She broke both bones, snap, 
like, pow, 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 pow. Like, it looked like rubber right there. And guess what? She goes to the hospital, sits with the doctor. And how many of you have ever broken a bone before? You know what's coming next, don't you? Guess what the doctor has to do before they do any surgery? They got to set that sucker. So the doctor grabbed a wrist and forearm. Snap! Popped those things back in place. And if you ask Gurley, she'll tell you that was more painful than anything else. But in order for it to heal properly, it had to be realigned. And today, look at me, I'm telling you right now, some of the things we're going to discuss are going to feel painful. They are. In fact, right out the gate, it's going to be challenging. But I'm going to ask you to lean in, take notes, open your heart, and say, okay, God, what do you want to do? How do I need to realign my life. Can we do that today? All right, let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to jump right in, and it's going to be good. God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're doing something miraculous in and through us. And I just pray, God, of, that you'd help all of us as we realign our hearts to endure the pain that's necessary that we can be healed and walk in a great direction. So, God, we just thank you for that now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. That just means. Amen. I agree. It does. Hey, we're going to be breaking down three godly roles of a godly wife and three roles of a godly husband. So today, we're both going to give you a little bit of something to take away, and I'm going to get to kick us off here with the first one. A godly wife, number one, if you're taking notes, a godly wife is submitted. Genesis 2.18 says, and the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. Amen. Can we get an amen? <laughs> it is not good that man should be alone. So I will make him a helper comparable to him. God knew that our men were going to need a little bit of help. So God made woman, right? And the thing about marriage is, is that God made it to form this perfect union. It's kind of like building a house. When you build a house or even this building that we're in right now, it has walls and it has ceilings, right? And so the walls and the ceiling are both equally important. The ceiling cannot stand without the walls, right? And in a marriage, the role of the wife is like the walls of a house. The role of the husband is like the ceiling of the house. You can't have one without the other. You have to have both and. And a godly wife is a submitted wife. It means Colossians 3.18 says this, wives, Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Let me break down what that word means so you can understand it. Sub means to come under. Mission is the same vision for your marriage and for your life. To come under the same mission. When I said yes to Carrie 16 years ago, we came together in a relationship. And we said we're coming under the mission that God has for our family. And in the Robinson house, our mission is to serve God, honor all, and finish strong. And we're committed in our house to building the house of God. It's our mission. So to submit means I'm coming under the mission, the same mission, and I'm allowing my husband to take the lead. In the message version of the scripture, it says, wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. Hey, listen, how many of you know it takes work yeah. to understand our husbands? Yes. Can, are there anybody out there that might just agree with me? It takes work to understand someone who is different than us. 
who operates different than us, who thinks different than us. It takes work to understand our husbands. But as wives, we have a responsibility to do the work necessary to understand him. And then it takes it further and says we need to understand and support. So we got to do the work to understand, and we've got to then do the work to support, right? We're like the walls of the house supporting the ceiling. We've got a role to play. In the amplified version of this scripture, it actually says submission is like being able to adapt, being able to adapt. You know, women, I just think God knew what he was doing. Go figure, right? When he made us, because women have this unique ability to adapt to whatever the situation is. We just, women just naturally are a little bit better at this than the guys. And that's not a slam. It's just a, the gift that we have as women is it's to true. adapt. It's right? true. Think about when we get sick, guys. I just feel like when we're sick, the world has come to an end. I'm Can I get so an amen from some gentlemen out there? I'm so glad you're right now. It's amazing. Ladies, they could get sick, be pregnant and build a house out of bricks, and we have a cold, and we're lying in our bed crying, bring me some soup. Can I get an amen? I didn't even have to say gentlemen? anything. That saying, was amazing I wanted right to compliment there. it because Thanks, it's babe. true. That was so good. Hey, listen, to adapt to our husbands is simply to say, hey, what do you need from me right now, right? right? But to, a, to be adaptable actually means that I have to die to pride. I've got to die to pride my own ideas, my own thinking that I'm right sometimes, and say, hey, what do you need from me right now? And ladies, that can be challenging. Let's be honest. But that's the role we're called to play. You know, there's a great uh, pastor that teaches on marriage. His name is Jimmy Evans, and he says this. Submission is not about subservience, which means being less important than something. Submission is not about subservience. It's about humility and kindness. Wow. So women, ladies, wives, future wives, we have a responsibility to choose humility and kindness. Colossians 3.12 says this, So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. How many of you woke up this morning and snapped your fingers and you were dressed and ready for the day? Anybody? Me either. It was a choice to get out of bed, take off my pajamas, get in the closet, and figure out what I was going to wear today. And it is a choice to get dressed in the wardrobe that God has for us, right? And what does it look like? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it, right? What we wear is a choice. We get to choose whether or not we're going to be clothed in humility and kindness as we approach our husbands and are adaptable to our husbands. And for those of you in the room who are single, this is a great principle that you can learn right now to apply with God to come under the mission that God has for you because he has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, God, I am setting aside my plan and my will, and I'm choosing to align myself with your mission, your plan, your will for my life. I'm going to adapt my life to your principles, God, even though I may not agree with everything, I'm going to adapt to them because I trust you. And we learn to die to ourselves and to put God first, right? And then in marriage... 
We land on a mission for our marriage. We come into agreement and we say, you know what? We're on a team working together. And my job as the wife is to support my husband and let him lead that charge with humility and kindness. That's great. All right, listen, the number one role of a husband, a godly husband, is that the husband is the head. Let me explain what that means. First Corinthians says this, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband, but before you think through some misogynistic lens of some conquering king and dictator, let me unpack what this really looks like. The head is under Jesus, meaning that all leadership comes through the integrity of God's word. So guys, here's the question you've got to ask yourself first. Am I under the authority of Jesus? Listen, the level of authority that I operate in is determined by the level of authority I submit myself to. There's no way, greater way to lead than to say, God, you lead me so that I can be a leader. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that inspires honor and esteem from a wife than to see her husband submitted to what God wants to do in his life. Uh, and listen, headship is associated with the responsibility to lead, not the right to command. That's worth writing down. Headship is associated with the responsibility to lead, not the right to command. Many times we want the benefits of being the lead of the family without accepting the responsibility to lead the family. We want to act like we've got all the answers and, hey, follow me. I know where I'm going, but not take responsibility to lead. And I want to just tell you right now, taking responsibility for my family and my marriage is what it means to be the head. The head leads. That means I lead in decisions spiritually. That means I'm the first one to say, let's get up and go to church. Yes, Doheny is calling. Yes, it looks beautiful out there. But we're only going to be in church for an hour and a half, so let's get there, and then we'll head to the beach because church is important. That means I lead in decisions spiritually. That means I lead in reading the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to understand every verse. It doesn't mean you have to know more than your wife. It doesn't mean you have to know more than I do as a pastor. It just means you say, hey, what does the Word of God say for our family today? It means I lead in prayer. That I, the first decision I make, honestly, one of the greatest tragedies to me is that we often look at prayer as a last resort. Yeah. I've done everything I know to do, and all that's left now is to pray. And I just think God's going, man, what if you started there? Yeah. You don't have to even know how to pray. Prayer is a conversation with God. And I'm just going to tell you, when I pray, I talk to him just like I talk to God. I just, I, don't, I need you right now. Yeah. I just need you right now. Would you do something here for my family and in our life? Yep. To lead good. means that I lead from a position of meekness. Meekness is power under constraint. To lead means I'm working to control my reactions and to become proactive rather than reactive. I love what Ephesians says about the role of a husband. I want to take a few moments, maybe three, to break this down. Ephesians 5.25 in the message translation says, Husbands... Go all out in your love for your wives. I love that. Go all out in your love for your wives, just as Christ did for the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He gave everything. The Bible goes on to say, in love marked by giving, not by getting. Can I just be honest? You know, it's easier for me to live selfishly. And it takes a lot of extra work, a lot of extra brain power. A lot of extra energy to live selflessly, especially if you come home from a long day of work. Especially if you're exhausted because the stress that is mounting. 
especially if you're exhausted or challenged by the, the crisis that you're facing. It takes extra work and energy to be selfless as opposed to thinking through what do I need right here, right now. I love this. This passage goes on. It says, Christ's love makes the church whole. Remember, he's talking to husbands on how to love your wife. His love makes the church whole. His words, I love this, evoke her beauty. So the words that he speaks evokes her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. All of us can identify a time or a season when someone's words shattered the very contents of our heart. So my question, gentlemen, is are the words that you speak bringing life and hope and encouragement That is what it means to lead, not to point out all of the deficiencies and inefficiencies. Are you tracking with me today? So husbands, dads, gentlemen, you are leading right now. Right now, you are leading. The question is, what direction are you leading your family? For what you sow, you will also reap. So let's choose today to lead in the right direction. That's good. Hey, the second role of a godly wife is that we are called to be a cheerleader. Now, before some of you panic, you don't have to have pom-poms, and you don't have to fit the status quo of a typical cheerleader. I just happened to have been a cheerleader when I was in high school. You don't have to fit the status quo. That's okay. But we're called to be cheerleaders. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hey, listen, we're called to be cheerleaders. My daughter Avery is eight years old, and she is the best I know at this. She is the most positive, encouraging person you've ever met. And our house has been under construction now for quite some time. Our kitchen has been completely ripped out. The walls had to be torn down. The cabinets had to be removed. Everything was being rebuilt. And our landlord, Pat, was the one doing the work. And so every day last week when my daughter Avery would come home from school, she would walk into a mess. It was a mess in my house. But Avery would look straight at Pat, and she would go, Pat, this looks fabulous. Why? My house was anything but fabulous. It was a mess. But Avery looked past the mess, and she saw the person, and she was a cheerleader. And ladies, this is our job. We are called to be a cheerleader for our husband. Your husband needs to know that you believe in him. He needs to know that you believe in him. And listen, we cheer with our words and our body language. Do you know what I mean by that? Not by rolling our eyes or sighing or just constantly showing signs of irritation, right? We lead and we cheerlead by our words that come out of our mouth and by our body language. I was a cheerleader in high school and I'm telling you, we did not have the best team. In fact, our football team stunk. But when they were losing, we did not have the option of standing on the sidelines going, What is your problem? We may have felt it on the inside, but no, our job was to be there to cheer. Touchdown! We need a touchdown! Even if they didn't have the ball, right? We were there to cheer. We were cheering for who they could be, not who they were right then. And some of you need to start cheering your husbands on for who he can be, not necessarily who he is right now. Hey, listen, this is how we get to demonstrate love and respect by being his biggest cheerleader. I'm telling you, some of you need to learn how to cheer. We're going to say, babe, you're boom dynamite. My man is boom dynamite. My man is tick, 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 boom dynamite, right? 
Every morning, Come on. I wake up to that. It's amazing. It's not true. We got to learn to be the biggest cheerleader for our husbands. Listen, if you're not doing it, somebody else will. If you're not doing it, somebody else will. And it doesn't matter if you've been in the biggest losing streak of your life. When I was a cheerleader, we still went to practice. We still put on the uniform, and we still went out and we cheered at that game. That's our job. We go to practice by reading the Word of God. And listen, the biggest practice of a wife is to pray. You pray for that man. Not, God, please change him. But, Lord, would you help him? Would you give him strength today? Would you give him wisdom to overcome the pressing circumstances he's facing? God, would you help him, encourage him? We begin to pray for our husbands, and I'm telling you, that's the practice that you need for the game. And then we put on the uniform, and we already talked about it. Colossians 3.12, clothe yourself, right, in compassion and kindness, humility, choosing to forgive, right? You heard the verse earlier. It's a choice to get dressed. But ladies, we get to choose to put on the uniform, to go to practice, and to become the best cheerleader of our husbands, seeing not necessarily who they are today, but who we know God's created them to become. Amen? So good. Tick, 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 tick. Boom. All right. A godly husband must be fully present. A godly husband must be fully present. We've literally been together for um, almost 20 years, close to it. We started dating March 19, 1997. We've been married. That's 20 years. Boom. Dynamite. Tick, tick, tick. And we've been married for 16 years. So we literally grew up together. When we started dating, she was a senior in college and I was in eighth grade. It was No, I'm kidding. I was a sophomore in high school. She was a senior. Come on, somebody. That's pretty awesome. And We've grown up, we've matured, and we love to ha- we actually love to hang out with each other. I love to walk through Costco with her. I've shared that before. I like to sit on the couch and watch movies with her. And, and anybody else like this, when we're watching a show on Netflix or we're watching a movie, one of the things I love is just to be in the room together. You know what I hate? is when she's got her phone in her hand and she's Instagramming or texting or me emailing. You know what it is? It's my pride because for whatever reason, her phone's more important than me. Can I get an amen from somebody out there? Thank you. Thank you. But you know what I want to tell you? I'm extremely guilty of not being present in my home and giving my wife my sloppy leftovers, giving the greatest creativity to my work and not to a date night the greatest time and energy to a crisis in the church, or let me be candid, even in sermon preparation. You know how many hours I put into sermons? I don't want to tell you. And I'm guilty of giving her leftovers. A godly husband must be fully present. Present. Now, that doesn't mean that I quit work and come home just so I can bask in her glory. Oh, you can do that if you want. Okay. <laughs> I hope you don't. Yeah, you'll have to get a job. That'd be great because uh, y'all tracking with me? I love it. Look at what the scripture says, First Peter 3, 7. It's in the Amplified Version. Check this out. It says, in the same way, you husbands live with your wives. Oh, okay, great. That makes sense. Live with your wives. You know what the word live means? It means dwell. And dwell literally translates to intimacy, not cohabitation. We're in this thing together. Let me give you a great equation for those of you that are taking notes. The ones of you that are not, I can see I'm judging you harshly. Check this out. It'll be on the screen. Time invested produces trust. And trust produces vulnerability. Wow. 
And vulnerability produces intimacy. That's an equation that would be worth investing in if you don't hear another point from this sermon, guys. The scripture says, in the same way, you husbands live with your wives, and it goes on and says, in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact. Let's just be honest. It takes a lot to understand a woman, right? Let's just be honest, right? You guys are an anomaly. You're like a dream inside a dream inside an anomaly. Like a dream. (laughs) You are a dream. And I got three of them at my house. Estrogen just wafts through my home. Like it's palpable. It takes a lot to understand her. It's like a full-time job, right? I don't mean that negatively. That's what the scriptures say. What if we made the career of understanding our spouse more important than the career for which we're paid? How powerful would that be? The scripture goes on and says, and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship as with someone physically weaker, since she is a woman not mentally weaker, not emotionally weaker, not spiritually weaker, just physically weaker, so that I don't lose my respect and honor for her just because we have different strengths. Then it goes on and says, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Do you know that what you honor gets your first and your best? What you honor gets your first and your best. So what in your life is getting your best right now? Is it a career and a job that somebody else will have one day? Or the one that you said yes to? Are you on track with me today? What you honor, honor is based on value, not accomplishments. And guess what? We don't choose the value of a human. God chose that. And, and how value, valuable are, are humans? They're worth everything because yeah. Jesus gave everything for her. Are you all track with me right now? Look at this. This verse goes on to say this. So that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. So Peter says, esteem her as an heir, honor her, be intimate with her so that your prayers. Guys, can I suggest that failure to be a godly husband has spiritual consequences? Can I just suggest that? And I don't think this is meant to be the proverbial dangling carrot, but I think it's emphasizing the seriousness of how I'm supposed to honor my wife. So here's a, a real quick practical application How do I sow into my marriage? Make sure that my marriage gets the rule and not the exception to my life. Which one does my wife? Let me break this down. Here's a great question to ask. Does work, church, or hobbies get more nights of the week than my wife and family? Do I spend more nights at the baseball field working long hours contributing to a hobby than I do with my family? We have a rule of thumb. Four nights of the week, we're home eating dinner or out somewhere together as a family. No matter how crazy things get at church, the rule of thumb will be four nights of the week we are at least hanging out together. Why? Because I don't want to get to the end of the road and say, hey, I built up a great church or built up a great business or had a great career, and yes, I've got a 401K in retirement, but my marriage is non-existent. So just ask yourself that question. Do four out of seven nights, are you with your spouse and your family? Three out of four weeks, seven out of 12 months, you get the idea. I understand sometimes things get crazy, right? But what happens is often the crazy becomes the rule and this becomes the exception. And guys, there's a statistic that mirrors that. It's that 50% of marriages today end in divorce. And I wonder if we have this flipped upside down. Does anybody else feel awkward in here? Y'all are all staring at me. 
Another question to ask is this. Here's a great one. Do I know what's going on in my wife's life? Not what her calendar's like. Not what she's making the kids for lunch tomorrow. Not what is she preparing for dinner. But what's going on in her life. I'll never forget a few months back. We were on a walk. We go on a walk every Monday. Hike through Dana Point. And she said, you have no clue what's going on in my life right now. We, we, we work together. We see each other probably more hours of the day than we don't. And she said, you just never ask me how I'm doing. So I said, well, babe, how, how are you doing? For the next two hours, she just cried and wept and talked about something going on on the inside. So here's a great question to ask. What is your wife's current greatest joy? And what is your wife's current greatest struggle? And guys, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't have any solutions for her. I didn't try to fix it. I was just present. A godly husband must be fully present. That's good. That's good. Point number three for the women. A godly wife is a helpmate. A godly wife is a helpmate. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone, so I will make him a helper comparable to him. Right? Listen, if we are the walls of our house and our husband is serving as the ceiling, the ceiling is the protector, which he's going to get to in a minute because it protects from the outside circumstances, right? But as women and as wives, we get to build the walls of our home. We get to create the atmosphere. Now, what I'm not asking you all to do is to be an interior decorator. In fact, the first year of our marriage, I will never forget, uh, we were sitting at home, and Pastor Kerry has great ideas, and he had come up with this design for our living room. And he was beginning to share with me the things he was going to build and make for our living room. And on the inside, I was starting to panic a little bit. And then he said, hey, let's do breakfast for dinner. I'll make pancakes. And I started sobbing, crying. And I ran to my bedroom and threw myself on the bed, and I was sobbing, crying. And some of you are like, what is wrong with you? And he was thinking, what is wrong with her? And I got in the bedroom, and I said, I think I'm supposed to be doing that. I think I'm supposed to be the one designing the house and making the pancakes. And, and I had to come to this realization that we needed to own what we were great at, right? So what I'm not asking you to do is to fit into a mold. I might cook more in my house. That's just because I'm a little bit of a better cook. But, but Pastor Kerry, he irons because I can't iron a single thing. If I'm ever wrinkled, you'll know he's out of town. That's the fact. So what I'm telling you is not that you need to be a specific kind of woman. I'm just saying that as the women, we get the responsibility to build the walls of our home to create the atmosphere of our home. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12 says this, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. Wow. And she will greatly enrich his life. Ladies, are you enriching the life of your husband? She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is the role that we get to play. We get to create the rooms and the atmosphere in our home. 
We get to create a place for peace. I know that when Pastor Kerry comes home, he does not like to walk into the house with the TV blaring the Disney Channel and the kids' homework all over the table. And most of the time, I beat him home. We both work, but there's a lot of times I'm getting in the house before him. And do you know what I get to do? I get to be a helpmate to what he needs to create a peaceful atmosphere. So we'll turn off the TV. We'll put on some music. We'll light some candles. We'll create an atmosphere of peace because we get to do that, right? We get to create the atmosphere for friendship. Listen, the reason you fell in love with each other in yeah. the first place was probably because you had fun together, yeah, right? That's right? So you've got to make sure in your life you're creating a room and creating some walls for friendship to continue. Find something that you love doing together, whatever that looks like. Create a place for friendship. And listen, you got to create a room for love. You are the only person he said yes to. You are the only person that God created to be his lover. So part of being a helpmate is creating a place in your home for intimacy, right? One of the greatest things you can do in a wife is consider the fact that you have one role that only you can play as his wife. you got to create some space for intimacy. And I'm going to bravely and very tenderly step on some toes here for just a minute. Are you ready? you got to create room for this. If you allow your children in every room of your house, it makes your role as his lover very challenging. Your kids need you to have a healthy marriage more than anything else. They need you to have a healthy marriage more than they need to be attached to your side every minute of the day. They need you to have a healthy marriage more than they need you to answer every whim and every cry that they have. Your kids need you to have a healthy marriage, and one of the ways you invest in that is by making sure you're creating a space in your home to be his lover. Listen, you can hire someone to cook a meal for you. You can hire someone to clean your house. You can hire someone to babysit your kids, but you can't. Settle down. Settle yeah, down. maybe not. Do you not shouldn't. hire any. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Hey, listen. We make time to go to the grocery store. We make time to do the laundry. We make time to take our kids to a million different activities. We have got to be intentional and in creating time for our husbands. If you're not present, like he talked about earlier, you can trust that it's going to be a really hard atmosphere for love. That's good. Create a warm and welcoming environment in your marriage, guys. And I'm telling you, women create space for this. you got to create the space for this. So listen, if you are married, have a conversation with your husband about his expectations. Have a conversation with him about what makes him feel at peace, about what he loves to do that you can have fun together. Have a conversation with him about your intimacy. Talk about it. Hey, get on the same page with your husband in parenting. You are a team. You are not two separate forces. You are a team, and you need to operate as a team. And be intentional. And if you're single and you're praying for the right man or woman, listen, get around some men and women who are doing this well. Learn from them. Start picking up on some great things to do. And save yourself. I know that this is uncommon in the world today. But listen, wait for the person God has for you before you get intimate with them. Because I'm telling you, it will change everything. So we get to build the walls of our home, ladies. We have the privilege to build the walls of our home. And some of you are in this room, and maybe your walls have been damaged. Maybe by past experience, maybe by hurt or pain, maybe by some things that have been done to you that you were outside of your control. 
my kitchen is under construction because the upstairs neighbors had a leak that went on for far too long. And the leak dripped down into our walls, it began to bubble up, and it created mold. And the only way that we could get in there and get our house healthy again was to get help. They had to come in and tear down the walls. They had to rip out the insulation and wring out the water. They had to throw it away. They had to build new walls and fill it with the right things and sheetrock it again. And some of you are here, and the walls of your house are broken down, or they're moldy, and there's things under the surface that you haven't dealt with. And it's time to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. My kitchen is going to be amazing because it's brand new. It's fresh. It's clean. And God wants to do the same thing in your life, so don't hesitate. This is a good place to ask for help. But we build the walls of our home, ladies. We get to be his helpmate. That's great. You know, this isn't in our notes, and we went longer in the first service. We're probably going to do that today. But can I just, everybody look at me for a minute. Intimacy between a husband and wife is something that God designed. And, and in our culture today, we throw that away in dating relationships. And, and the greatest thing you can do is save yourself. Just stay pure. Just say no. Hold on to that and give that wholeheartedly to your spouse. I'm just telling you right now, there's something amazingly miraculous about it. Look at me. This isn't about what you've done before. No one in this room is perfect. I'm talking about what happens moving forward. Notice these are principles. None of, none of these have to do with, well, Megan does this because she's the girl, and Carrie does this because he's the guy. These are attitudes and expression of the heart. And, and each of these roles are all about selflessness. And look at me, they will be the most challenging thing for you to do because it means dying to self. Dying to self. I'm telling you, on the other side of these principles, God does amazing things. And a marriage will never be perfect, but it can be amazing. Megan and I are both strong-willed, strong opinionated people, and I'm just full of grace, mercy, and kindness, and humbleness, humility. I think if you have to say I'm it. I'm super humble, humble, aren't I? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, f look, I should be honest, we, we, we bicker a lot. We fight a lot. We're supposed strong. We're opinionated. And, and you can, you just don't judge me. It's just part of what it is. But we have a great marriage because we work on these things. You tracking with me? And I want that for you. Lastly, the role of a husband is a protector. Husband is a protector. And, and listen, I cannot protect from behind. And over the course of the last few decades, as we've taken amazing steps forward in seeing the empowerment of women in our society and our culture, as women are stepping up to the plate over the last four to five decades, and I know this is a tricky thing to talk through, we're seeing equal rights on the job place, and I love that. But in the process, I believe men slowly, passively took steps back. And we've stopped leading by protecting our families. You cannot protect from behind. You have to protect from in front. If I'm behind, she's defenseless. 
to everything that's coming. And listen, everything is coming out. The Bible says that there is an enemy called the devil. You don't have to believe this. It's fine. Permission to belong before you believe. And it says he's roaming the earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, not snack on, not nibble on, but to destroy. And if I'm in the back, hanging out, only dealing with fires as they come instead of being proactive and leading from the front. I'm leaving my family defenseless. And let me just tell you, this doesn't mean I have every answer. In fact, more often than not, I'm going, babe, what do you think? What do you, what do you think our next step should be and, and where should we go? Let's pray through this because I don't have the answers. But it's me just waiting for anything that can come at us. Let me just tell you, physically, we get this. If you break into my house, you will die. I'm from Texas, and I'm unashamed of that. I will go to prison for the safety of my family. Can I get an amen? There are hidden hatchets and other weapons all through my home. But sometimes we stop there as men, and we forget we also have to protect emotionally and spiritually. We're going to clap. Let's clap. Come on. It's not the masters. Let's do this thing. So that means I've got to get out in front. And if it's a busy season, I've got to know when we've got to slow down. If she's struggling emotionally, I've got, to, I've got to be aware of what's coming. I know every February it's going to be a rough season for her. As February was the month that her, her father's cancer deteriorated and he passed away. And every February it's a reminder of the challenge. Every Valentine's Day. And I could be upset with that. I'd be like, well, why don't you stop being emotional? I could say, hey, February's coming. Let's, let's take some space. Let's get to the ocean and breathe in that salty air. I got to know when we need some rest. I got to know when our family needs a little more time. We were out of town in Atlanta last weekend and all Alabama throughout the week and away from our kids. And so that means today we're going paddle boarding at Baby Beach and we're going to spend six hours getting sunburnt. We're going to go swim in the water. It's going to be freezing cold, but my kids are going to love it. Why they need that. I'm protecting them emotionally. We're in a battle. Isaiah says this, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It doesn't say no weapon will form against us. It says that all the weapons the enemy uses to wage war against us will not prosper. You want to know how to win these battles, guys? You want to know how to fight? Hand in hand with the Lord. Hand in hand with the Lord. Let God lead. Let God instruct, let God guide, let God comfort, let God correct. Psalm 23 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but when. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And look at this next component. What's going to comfort me in the process? Is it a nice warm blanket of hugs and snuggles? No. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what those are? Those are weapons, my friends. Those are weapons. So my protection is what brings comfort. You want to know how to protect your family? Walk hand in hand with God. Look at me. The greatest thing you can do is say, I don't have the answers, but God does, and we're going to follow him through this thing. I, I want to quit. I'm tired of fighting, but we're going to stand. 
Like Paul said, and having done all to stand, we're going to keep on standing. So I don't, I don't actually even know what direction. All I know, babe, we're going to take one more step. Can you do that with me? Yeah, let's do this. Come on. Right? And that's the key, right? The thing is, we're in this together. Together is power. Together is strength. She doesn't parent the kids, and I parent the pocketbook. We're in this together. We're not running in lanes alongside each other. We're not running at the same speed. We are in the same lane, in the same vehicle, saying, God, what do you have next for me? And is it perfect? Absolutely not. She is. But we're in this together. And look at what the Scripture says in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 20. Whoever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm right there. I'm right there. Now look at me for a moment. I don't care what your relationship looked like before 11 a.m. today. I know that for whatever reason, the greatest fights in marriage always happen on the way to church. Your kids get ready for school five days a week, but Sunday, demons show up. And you pull in the parking lot, and you're thinking, if I get greeted by one of those smiling people, I will stab them. I know you're from Orange County, but some of you are ghetto. I see it. Are you tracking with me? Every, everything has come after you. So let's not worry about what happened before. Forgive. Grace. Mercy. Love. What are we going to sow into our marriage tomorrow, this afternoon? I believe God wants to do something amazing, not just in the next few weeks and months of your life, but today. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be here. How many of you in this room would just say, you know what? You know what? I, I got some work to do. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Hands are going up all over. Let me just pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. God, all of us have some work to do. We, we just haven't figured this thing out. And, and truthfully, some of us have made decisions that have made it even harder. But what happened yesterday and what happened before this moment no longer matters. Now we're going to press on towards the future, forgetting what lies behind. And straining, reaching for all that you have for our future. So God, we've got work to do. Would you illuminate the things we need to change? Would you bring insight and wisdom on how to take the steps? And Lord, would you help us to bring people along with us in the journey so we don't have to fight this battle alone, but that we can change statistics in Jesus' name? We can change the story, and we can see you do something miraculous in and through our marriages now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me take two minutes to talk to some of you who may not be sure where you stand when it comes to faith. There's a starting point. God wants to do something great in your life, but there is a starting point. It's a decision, not church membership. And here's the good news, not eradicating 
your past. Man, I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. There's a starting point, and it's simply saying yes to Jesus. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going down to the Santa Ana County Jail and talking to a brother in that facility through the phone and the glass. Talk about some challenging times. We talked through faith and hope, what God wanted to do and God's promises that are still for him, a great future and a hope. He said, I want that. I said, it's yours. You might be in a cell, but you don't have to be a captive in here. He said, do I pray more? Do, do I read the Bible? I said, no, 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 you, don't, you just say yes to Jesus. He said, I, I want that. So let's pray right now through the phone, tears coming down his face. Some of you in this room, your circumstances may look different, but you're in a jail cell on the inside. And today, you need to make some changes. And it starts with a decision to say yes to Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and literally, it is that simple. If that's you in this room, I want to challenge you. No embarrassment. You don't get out of your seat, but start that journey. And I believe God's going to do something great in your life. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around this room. If you're here, you've never prayed this prayer with me very quietly in your own heart. I want you to repeat this after me and start this journey. Some of you are in this room, you've been running from God, playing with your faith, and today's the day to pray this prayer again and start something brand new. So that's you, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking. Just simply make this statement and this prayer your own. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, I, I'm not perfect. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? And now make this statement your own right here. This is where it matters. This is where it happens. Make it your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.